As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. so good to have you back for another episode of Evolve. I am your host, Monette Bernata. And before we begin the show today, I want to acknowledge something that happened last night. For about one hour, many people sat wrapped and attentive as we watched history unfold. I won't lie to you and say that I didn't sob the whole way through because I did. I watched President Obama who had my heart years before he had that prestigious title of president. I watched him in a bittersweet moment call us to action. I saw the man who first, who I first got to know in Dreams of My Father, his memoir, prior to his meteoric rise, in which he was very lyrical and unsentimental and compelling in that memoir. And last night, he slipped that same cloak on and rallied a nation that has been struggling to adjust to change. And I do not mean in a political sense. I mean in a human sense. We humans are sometimes slow to change. We don't like change even when we know that it's coming. And so, like the great father he is, he wrapped us in an orated embrace. He reminded us why we are great. He reminded us of our responsibilities as citizens to our democratic process, and he assured us that he would never be too far off watching from a distance as we took steps into a new direction like any good father would. As a black woman, the significance of his presidency will never be dulled or sullied by pundits who verbally spar or friends on Facebook with different opinions. Because as a minority woman and a first-generation American, Barack Obama is the physical embodiment of so many of the lessons that my mother taught me. Work hard. And please know, because you're a black, you'll be held to a higher standard. 
Monette, you can accomplish anything you set your mind to. Carry yourself with class and dignity at all times. In the face of obstacle or obstruction, you hold your head high and you keep working. Yes, you can. You can, you will, and you must, my mother would say to me. Yes, mother, I can. Yes, Obama. Yes, we can. I am so grateful to have lived in a time when this was possible and I was able to witness it. Obama also spoke about having a platform right where you are, which is something I'm really attached to and very fond of. Making a difference right where you are. My guest today has certainly heeded this call to action. He examined his life and decided to make a decision to change. And that choice he made is one that though he didn't know it at the time, that simple moment when he said yes to himself, it would have ripple effects on the people he loved, co-workers, and even perfect strangers. His choice to feel the fear and do something anyway has been a catalyst in his life for amazing change. But he is so much more than that one moment and this one decision. He is a deep thinker. And as a bold tourist son, Alan is a lover of music, art, and aesthetic. He has always been ahead of his curve, ahead of the curve, really, guys, in his life from managing restaurants at 16 years old, when the rest of us were still figuring out our algebra homework, to being the first person in our small town to get his hands on an iconic work of pop culture art that was very taboo at the time. In his current incarnation, Alan is a loving partner. He is an entrepreneur, a health coach, though he would never refer to himself as that, folks, and I'll have to put that disclaimer out there. He would hate that. And he still finds time to nurture his love of aesthetics through his passion of photography, which if I know Alan, he will soon transform into a thriving business. My conversations with this man have always been important. His ideas are grand. His reasoning is sound and his advice will permeate your spirits today. And I know that because he has been the person with whom I have had the pleasure of bouncing my ideas and philosophies off of over the years. He has helped to sharpen my critical thinking skills and quite frankly, he has helped me to evolve. And he does it with humor and insight that has always been beyond his years. I am so excited to introduce to you my friend first and my guest next, Alan. So good to have you today, Alan. My pleasure, Mona. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I'm so excited to have this conversation. <laughs> it's a conversation that definitely we've been thinking about and talking about. And it's an important conversation because uh, this is the struggle of my life. And so I'm not going to keep our guests in suspense too much longer. I, I want to say this. I think that this journey that you've been on has been one that so many Americans can relate to. It's something that, as I just said, I've battled with and still do. And after years of, of yo-yo dieting and various tools, I want to know what brought you to this place where you decided to attempt the route that you went. And can you tell our guests and listeners what route you went? What did you do? Uh, well, it was, um, it was actually a, a series of events that led me to getting bariatric surgery. Okay. It was a series of fortunate events that led me um, including some unfortunate events that led me to getting bariatric surgery. To uh, change the way I looked, change the way I felt, change the energy that I pushed out into the world, I was uh, almost 70 pounds. Okay. Um, I had been very large for 
many, many years. In fact, I hadn't even, you know how sometimes when people will talk about, um, I just want to get back to me, right? I never had a, a, a template. I never had a back to me. I had always been large my entire life. That's something I can completely relate to. I always hear people telling yeah. that story like, oh, I was a cheerleader and I was the athlete. I'm like, well, I was the band nerd who was still big. So I don't know what me is. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, well, we were band nerds together. So Word. I feel you on that. I feel you on that. <laughs> um, I think uh, in all honesty that it was a long time in the making because at first I was, totally against any sort of bariatric surgery whatsoever. And just to clear stuff up, um, I, the, there's a, a few different types of surgeries. And the surgery, the procedure that I received was uh, the gastric sleeve, where they take out about 80 to 85% of your stomach. Okay. Your actual stomach, your physical stomach. They pull it out of your body, and they sew it up, and it's a restrictive surgery that pretty much um, it allows you, and, and this is in my opinion, you know, two and a half, three years later, that it allows you to be able to hit the reset button on a life of bad food choices that I was making. Right. And so that's interesting because a lot of people say that there is no ability to hit the reset button, that if you have adult thinking in food, that that's it. You know, there's even support groups for it. So mm-hmm. how did you know that you wanted and could hit a reset button? Besides the, sur- the mechanics of the surgery, I get that. But mm-hmm. what made you think this might work for me? Um, well, okay. That, this was, it was kind of a process. So I'll start from the beginning and I'll work my way through it. Initially, I was completely um, against any sort of bariatric surgery at all. Um, in 2007, a friend of mine uh, went into the hospital, and she um, got a gastric bypass. Right. And at the time, those were very popular. Right. So, um, and she had complications from that surgery, and she ended up, sadly, passing away. Oh, my. So, my initial, um, my, my first impressions of this were that it was dangerous and that I should avoid it at all costs. And also at the same time, when you're, when you're heavy, mm-hmm. I, I don't think a lot of people realize this, that when you're heavy, you're, you're almost, I always feel like, I always felt like I was on a diet all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I felt like I was on some sort, I, I, you know, I remember being in high school with you and talking to you about the cabbage soup diet, and I've done the Atkins diet, and I've done the South Beach diet, and I've done the Paleo diet, and which... I've had varying degrees of success with each one of them. Right. Um, however, uh, I, I was starting to become fatigued. I was uh, I was rounding my I was in my early thirties and I was starting to become fatigued about the direction. I, I had just felt like I was always in some state of restriction. Which, ironically enough, the surgery itself is its own form of restriction. Right. Like that just a moment. Yeah, a total restriction. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, so my initial, my first impression of that was um, w- was not a good one. It was very negative, and so I was I was completely against it. And anytime somebody would even bring it up, I was like, No, that's not for me. I'm not sure. I, that's not what I want. I can do this. I got this. And eventually, it became clear to me that I, I didn't. I had. I had no control over it whatsoever. I had no control over. Um, I, I had control over the the food that I was eating, but I didn't have any control over the emotional and or the um, the food addiction aspect of it. Right. Because right. a lot of people who are heavy, they they. I mean, it's just a it's simple fact that people 
are addicted to food in yeah, I, and various that, yeah. ways. <laughs> in various ways, yes. There is a, an adult state that I was mentioning where you're, there's a compulsiveness that happens. Uh-huh. In fact, this, just this morning I was reading something on Instagram, and it's a girl that I follow who does keto, and she said, I got into bad thinking patterns and habits last night and I sat down on the couch and I ate Starburst. It's the first time I've cheated and she's lost a ton of weight and she's been doing great and people follow her. But she said, it's the first time I've cheated and I just wanted to be honest. I, I have, I'm had fighting the cravings and et cetera, et cetera. But I thought what was fascinating was the addictive state, even though she'd conquered the keto and lost the weight, she still was struggling mm-hmm. with that pack of Starburst. Like I want to eat this to comfort myself for whatever mm-hmm. reason, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, once you eat the fruit, Eve, you and you have a knowledge of, and this goes toward to any sort of addiction. So once you have a knowledge of it, you, um, you live with it. You live with it forever. Kind of like an alcoholic. Once you're, once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. You live with it for the rest of your life. Right. It's something that you have to deal with. Now, a food addiction manifests itself in a couple different um, insidious ways, I think. Uh, because it's one of the only addictions that you wear on your sleeve. Like, people can see it. People oh, can see your addiction. <laughs> I've said this my whole life, and insidious is the perfect word, Alan. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so, uh, going back to how this began, and it's so funny how the universe works and how kind of um, it takes a little bit of time for God to kind of lift the veil off your eyes to show you a bigger picture. And I, um, I was at work in 2000. 13, I was at work, and um, I had noticed a, a friend had come back, and I was in a training class with her. I work in a corporate environment, and I was in a training class with her, and I, she had been gone for a little while, and she came back, and she just looked amazing. And she, uh, I, I didn't say anything at first, and eventually I did manage to talk to her, and I said, listen, I, I don't know what you're doing, but you look fantastic you just have this glow about you and you um you're just radiant and she said i don't tell a lot of people this but um i had bariatric surgery and i was like oh really she goes have you ever heard of a gastric sleeve procedure And she told me about it and i said no i hadn't heard about it at all it was still fairly new and um and that was that i i, I didn't even think twice about getting it at that time uh, cut to about two or three months after that, mm-hmm. another coworker comes back to work. <laughs> now, okay. now here's the thing: like when you're out, I work in an environment where there's a lot of people, so it's very easy to miss somebody. It's very easy for somebody to be gone for a little while and then come back and be like, "Oh, I haven't seen you in a little while," you know, and then catch up with them. Um, however, she came back and she looked fantastic. And once the same thing, I pulled her aside. I said, "I just want you to know, you look." wonderful you look absolutely wonderful and um you're glowing it's you could tell that it was just a shift of energy from the inside out right so she said once again just like the first one i don't tell a lot of people this but i ended up having gastric sleeve surgery and um it turns out that the two girls completely separate from one another went to the same doctor when it happened the third time, <laughs> that's when I started to take, and this time it was a guy, and he had gone out, and he came back. And um, 
and I, the same thing. Oh my God, Eddie, you look great. You look fantastic. Uh, what's going on? What, what's your secret? What are you doing? Because you know, you're always asking people yes. what works for them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, we should I be know. finding what works for us. We're always asking people what works for them. One hundred percent. the same thing. Total coincidentally, it was the same doctor. Now I live in Atlanta, Georgia. And we have thousands of doctors, probably within a 10 to 15 mile radius. Yeah. I mean, there's doctors all over the place. Right. They happened, there was, it, it, this was just the universe unfolding this to me. They said, we, I went to this doctor, and then I asked his name, and I said, oh, that's the same doctor so-and-so went to, and so-and-so went to, and, and then all of a sudden it just clicked in my mind, what are you doing? This is like... It, it, you know, there are moments in your life where you're like, okay, I feel like I'm being spoken to. And this was, I, it started to, that, that was when the, the, the ball started to roll. And um, I sat next to a girl. Now, we, we change our seats often, but I sat next to a girl, and she had uh, bariatric surgery as well. But it was from solely, totally different, and it was a long time ago. And she was looking really good herself. And so she was telling me the processes and the procedures and I truly believe that these people, in a way, were kind of like angels for me. Yeah, I There's would say four so. separate people, completely unrelated to one another, within, I would say, a six-month period that started this ball rolling in my life. And that's when I started to actually pay attention to it. And then I went. I went, and they had an initial consultation. And um, it was a group with a lot of people where they came in. They said, these are the types of surgeries that we do. Um, these are the three doctors. There was three doctors that were there. I I'd already knew a doctor that I had wanted right. or that I had wanted to speak to because I hadn't fully made the decision yet. Okay, so you're still deciding and at this point. I'm still deciding at this point. Yes, it, this was a long, it was a long time coming. Like it, and it's, it started to slowly kind of just present itself. It manifested itself in my life in a very organic way, which is why I trust the process now, which is why I'm talking with you about this now. So... Um, that was how I initially got the ball rolling. After that first meeting, I set a goal for myself because I was taking a flight and I, Monette, I was petrified. I was petrified of the flight. I thought for sure, because I hadn't been on an airplane in a while, I thought for sure the seatbelt wasn't going to fit. Right. I thought for sure once the plane took off, it was going to kind of like tilt to the side. Like I was, <laughs> I was really, <laughs> I was really nervous about the it. The irrational terror and... that every big person or fat person has. And I'm saying fat guys. So if you're offended, uh-huh. I, I will apologize ahead of time. But as a fat person, I can say that I think, <laughs> but yeah, these are real fears that you worry about. Yeah. So I said to myself, I set a goal. I had two months and I said, you know what? If I cannot lose the 40 pounds before I take this trip, if I, I, I said, even though 40 pounds, when you're 365, 370 pounds, 10, 20, 30, even 40 pounds, it's, it's kind of like tossing deck chair off the Titanic. You don't really make much of a difference. It's, it's more psychological than it is physical, to be honest with you. So I, um, I was only managed to lose about 25 pounds before I had left, which I considered an achievement, but it wasn't my goal. Got it. Got it. It, it wasn't my goal. And so um, when I went, I, that's when I made the decision that I was going to start taking this seriously. And, I, it, it's a, and then, then, then it started a whole new process. <laughs> it started a whole new process that people have to go through, especially if they have any sort of insurance and they use it, which is what I was doing. I was, I was fortunate enough. I consider myself very lucky for a couple reasons. 
one, I, I've always, I've always been fairly healthy. I've never had any major health problems with me okay. while growing up. Um, there were a few things that were starting to creep up. Like my, I would, um, I would throw my back out every once in a while. My knees were starting to starting to hurt as I was walking downstairs. Now, keep in mind, I'm only 33 at the time. That, my... my blood pressure kind of was going up and it was kind of coming back down. It wasn't really that stable. And then I finally went to the doctor and he said, you're pre-diabetic. Mm, there's the, there's <laughs> the death knell right there. The pre-diabetic. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and that was, and that was, you know, it was just a kind of a summation of all these parts that caused me to come to this decision. Once I made the decision that I was going to actually do the surgery, um, it started a whole new process and a very, a kind of a, a lengthy process. Okay. So, but that's how I came to it. That's how I, you know, I, I, I it happened organically. It happens if it were we're I mean, all like snowflakes in this regard. In this regard, where it happens differently for everybody, yeah. how you come to to it, how you accept it as your truth, that's how it happened for me. That is true, and that way we can be like little snowflakes and not not the other kind of snowflakes. Um, but what I want to say is this: I've noticed that people have a tendency to focus on the optics of the surgery. Okay, so everybody's worried about what that feels like, what it looks like when you're describing that percentage of your stomach that's removed. From your experience, what do you think that people need to focus on when they are going into something like this? Okay, so I think that a lot of times people, you're right, they do. They, they have a tendency to focus on the vanity aspect, the, the optics of it. They have a tendency to say, okay, well, um, here's the thing. When I hear somebody say that they would like to lose weight, because I've been obese, and that's, I mean, I, I've been morbidly obese. I have, I, what I actually hear is I need love, I need validation, um, I, need, I want respect. That's what I hear. Now, in their mind, they don't probably think that way. What they're thinking of is I want to fit into that nice little black dress and impress a bunch of people because I want to feel good about myself. However, with a surgery like this, there's a, there's a couple different things that happen. So after I had the surgery, um, and I started to lose weight pretty rapidly, like it, it, it started to come, and there's a few different reasons for that. Number one, I'm a boy. Mm -hmm. Boys have a tendency to lose weight a lot quicker than girls because it's more hormonal for women. Yes, it is. <laughs> and and it, it, the, it has a tendency to keep the fat strapped to their bodies, really. Um, and it, it's just more difficult for them. But when I started this process, it was not for vanity reasons at all. But what I learned was that it was kind of, for me, it was just kind of the cherry on top. Now, I've been in a relationship for 800 years now. So, <laughs> so, for, so it was, I had nobody, I really had nobody to impress but myself. That was it. I had nobody to, um, I, I wasn't going on dates. I wasn't, you know. Right. So I was very fortunate in that regard because I had very supportive energy around me at the time. Supportive, loving energy around me. I give my partner 200% kudos for sticking by <laughs> me through from the very beginning right. to, I mean, there is no ending. It's ongoing, but he is yes. stuck by me. 
And it, it, there was never an issue. This was always like, if this is a decision that you want to do, if this is you standing in your truth, and I think he felt that from the very beginning, I support you. And he has been with me. I'm so grateful for that, and I'm so thankful for that. So, um, you know that Beyonce song, Pretty Hurts? Yes, I am. And in the that. song, in the song, she says it's the soul that needs the surgery. Mm. This is what I learned the hard way. Oh, <laughs> this is okay. what I learned the hard way because um, what started off. Now I got that surgery, and it was in September two thousand thirteen. And when that song came out, I was driving down the road, and it it made me very emotional. So um, because I kind of tapped into where she was coming from with it, and. I realize that regardless of, of whether or not I can, I lose 150, 200 pounds, if I don't fix what's going on inside of me when it comes to my relationship with food, I'm, I'm dead in the water. Like if it, it's, the weight's going to start to come back, I'm, and in five years' time, I'm just going to be morbidly obese again. Okay. And so, once again, it's the soul that needs the surgery. It's the soul. So, I, 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 yeah. And I, I think that um, can, I, that goes for any addiction. I don't think that that's just, yeah. you know, it's, it, this goes for any, anything that you're struggling with listeners. Everybody has to get in touch with their soul before they can mm-hmm. heal. And for Alan, it shows up physically, but it, I think that's such a great point that he makes because we forget that we all want a magic pill, a quick fix, all of that stuff. And that's not necessarily ever the thing that gets you over the hump you get you over the hump by inspecting and cleaning up your mess whatever that is mm-hmm. now here's what i notice a lot of people do uh when they start getting into the process of talking about um, a life-changing surgery like this there's a couple things that happen first thing is is that um I feel like any time that you make a big commitment, and this is not just for surgery, this is for anything in your life. Anytime you make a, a commitment to truly change who you are as a person, to make a big leap as a person, there will always be casualties. Mm. Whether those casualties are other human beings around you, because like a rock that falls into a lake, it just, it just sends ripples out everywhere. And everybody has their own internal issues when it comes to weight. So everybody has an opinion about what's going on. And because of this, I see people, I see... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
Chumba. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Especially women. I don't, I don't know why, but I see people want to hide what they're doing. I chose to take a pretty transparent um, stance when it came to it. Now, I didn't advertise it on social media. I didn't tell anybody but my close friends what I was doing. But anybody who asked, I was very honest with them. This is what I did. This is the procedure that I had done. This is how much weight that I lost. And this is how I feel. And because of that, I've managed to, I've managed to start that snowball rolling down the hill for a, a, a few other people. And I never once recommended having surgery. It, it, that's never been in my lexicon at all. I never once recommended for people to, um, this is what I think you should do to lose your weight. Absolutely not. All I did was I tried to lead by example as much as possible. This is what I did. This is how it worked for me. These are the risks because there are some very inherent risks. You're having major abdominal surgery. They're literally pulling tissue of your body out of your body right. <laughs> and it's viable tissue it's and it's so so there's always kind of like that weird there's nothing wrong with your stomach i guess well in the, it depends on how you look at it there's nothing wrong with your stomach it is a functioning organ but because i i, I believe now that I, I know this firsthand that your body your body kind of overrides your brain in ways because it craves pleasure and it craves pleasure at its own detriment Yes. So, yes. so, um, so you you overeat, or you take too many drugs, or you drink too much, and then all of a sudden your body starts to shut down. But you're having a good time, so you shut it out, you know. And um, it, you're you're you'll crave something like McDonald's, but in your mind you know that that's going to give you a heart attack in 20 years, but you still eat it, right? You still, because you, still you give it. you give into it. Yeah, you give into it now. I believe that everybody knows how to lose weight. We're at a point in our lives where information is just flying at us at 100 miles an hour, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is, I believe that everybody knows how to lose weight on a very superficial level. What I don't believe is that everybody knows or has put the time in to realize what nutrition triggers or registers with their bodies. Right. They don't, they don't understand that. For me, it's a plant-based diet. For okay. you, I, I believe you're in the keto. Like yeah, the, the, I'm more keto. Yes. <laughs> but before we get into, that's such a great and salient point. But before we get into that, I want to kind of step up, take a step back and just ask you, you were talking about the casualties. And, and that's always um, very interesting to me because I'm fascinated with the way that we deal with each other whenever mm -hmm. we're having changes in our life. And I started the show talking about a change we're going through as a country and how we're all reacting to it and how everybody has mm -hmm. an opinion. So it's no different in that regard when you're doing weight loss, everybody has an opinion. And there is something that in our conversation, you had mentioned to me the air effect. And could you explain what that is to the listeners? The air effect. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. Uh, the air effect is when, and I, I, I didn't coin this. This is Oprah. 100%. Oprah! <laughs> <laughs> she was talking with Carrie Underwood, and Carrie Underwood says, you know, as I was starting to get a little bit more famous, and as I was starting to rise, people started to become weird. And Oprah said, that's the air effect. As you, as you get higher and higher and higher, people, the, the oxygen levels get thinner, and people tend to, to flake off. 
it's the same exact way when you make any sort of major change or uh, actually when you adjust your frequency from AM to FM, it, the same exact thing happens. So uh, friends, my, you know, people that I, I were close to, um, uh, they, people got strange to me. They, they, they're, their energy was no longer enjoyable to me, or people didn't, when I was in the hospital, people didn't call, or when I would mention something and say, hey, let's, um, let, let's make healthier choices and do this, and let's do X, Y, Z instead of, you know, A, B, C, they would say, well, it must, these comments were actually made to me. It, um, not all of us uh, had bariatric surgery. Very rude, crass, like almost... Jealous, hating. <laughs> as a, Jealousy, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, because of that, my social circle now is completely different than it was at the time. Um, I, le- I let that evolve. I let that evolve because of that, because I, you, everybody has their own, whether you're skinny or you're big, they have their own internal struggles with weight. Or they have their own um, ideas about weight and weight loss and then when they see it happening especially if they struggle with it when they see it happening in somebody else and it's not happening for them people have a tendency to um lash out a little bit and it's understandable because at the end of the day i i truly feel that there's a certain type of hurt associated with holding weight there's a certain type of pain that's going on on the inside secrets um secrets are going secrets (laughs) secrets yes uh, fat holds secrets, you know, and, and incidentally, a lot of people, a lot of people have been heavy for their whole lives. There's a lot that is hiding it, on your body physically, energy-wise. Mm. I truly believe that. And when you start to release that, your the frequency, your your energy completely changes, and then all of a sudden, these people are not compatible with you anymore. And okay, I want to stop you there. I want to stop you there because that. <laughs> is such an important point. And I think that can be replicated in other areas of life, but with your fat, particularly that when we were having this conversation and I have thought about fat up ways and down ways, as you know, and we've done some of the diets together over the years. uh, What I realized is that when you said that to me, I thought, wow, what secrets are there? And being a person who deals in energy and frequencies for my actual job and income, I Mm -hmm. really understand that concept and I didn't understand why I had never related it to myself in that way. So that was a revelatory statement that you made. And that's why I want to stop and listeners really hear that about your fat uh, holding secrets. And when you're losing it, you're releasing secrets, but also there's a frequency and an energy that goes involved with being at the size you are. And this is going for myself. So this isn't Monette coming to you skinny saying, I figured it out. I'm at a different frequency. This is me saying I'm evolving with you and figuring something out. And Alan brought something to me that caused epiphany to happen within me. And I, it started me to think about my weight differently for the first time in all of my life. So thank you for that. Alan. I really appreciate that. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Now I noticed when I was when I was talking to you, and this was sort of your mindset at the time. And I was I was having a lot of issues at the time. This is when I was in the middle of my weight loss, and um, I was I was talking on the phone with you. And your idea, because I was telling you at the time, or I was trying to relate to you, it's not every the, this the losing the weight is not the work. 
losing the weight is just a, it's easy. It's the byproduct of a surgery that you had that you let doctors cut into you. That's not the actual work. I was struggling at the time with the work because for 33 years, my crutch was food. And all of a sudden it was no longer there. All of a sudden I, you know, I was just, just pushed. It was, it was life changing for me. It, it shook me to my very core and I could no longer use it as a fallback because the second I ate a chicken nugget, (laughs) my, I was full. I couldn't eat anymore and it was painful to eat anymore. So, um, I remember going through periods of time where I would, I would want to, I would want to just finish my meal and enjoy my meal. I had to learn to let go of that desire. I had to learn to let go of the grasp that food had on me. And And also the comfort. Yeah. The comfort comfort too, too. because what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing you say is that like you wanted to finish more than the chicken nugget. And, Mm -hmm. and that was a total emotional response. You were, you were literally full. You couldn't hold another thing. Mm But it was the comfort. And guys, pay attention to that. Listeners, there is such a comfort that is so seductive that I think, I don't know if we all are aware of it. We might think we know and we've heard it. We've heard Oprah talk about it and various other people as they're uh, climbing towards their health. But there is a true comfort and emotional dependency that you can have on food. This is not just like I, I sometimes I wanted to make this point because sometimes I've heard people just being like fat people are lazy and they don't understand and whatever. But I look at Americans, skinny, fat, tall, skinny, everybody loves food <laughs> and they love it for comfort. Mm-hmm. They don't just love it because it tastes good. So I think that's a great point, too, that you've made there about about wanting to finish the thing only because your mind and your heart and soul wanted it, not so much because your body needed it anymore. Not at all. My body didn't need it whatsoever. But my mind was was trying to overpower my body and say, this is what you're used to. These are the it was it was perpetuating old patterns. And this is this is kind of where the rubber meets the road when it comes to my intention for wanting to discuss this with you is that if you choose to do a surgery like this, you need to sit down beforehand and take kind of a soul inventory, take an inventory of your life, um, figure out the reasons why you're doing this in the first place. If, I mean, if you're doing it for vanity reasons, that's great. In the screening process, though, they will figure that out and that you could potentially harm you from getting the surgery. If, they, if the doctor thinks, because you have to see a psychiatrist, so if the doctor thinks that you're doing this for vanity reasons, you're out. Okay. You're, you're, you're done before you even begin. So, so they can sniff that um, out. They can sniff out, like, oh, I want to look great and be hot. They gave me a full psychological profile. It, hours I was in there taking that test, doing a psychological profile. Now, as I said, everybody's process is a little bit different. So when I initially went in, I had to go and get my lungs checked to make sure that they were okay for surgery. I had to go and um, get approved by my, um, my primary care physician. I had to go to get a psychological examination done, and that was the one that, that took a lot longer. I had to see a nutritionist multiple times. I had to see a nutritionist so that they could start to reprogram my brain to making better choices, to making healthier choices. And I think that because of that, it started kind of like a chain reaction in my mind. And that's when I started to think about this weight loss as more of an energy thing and tackling my, uh, my own personal demons when it came to like the addiction itself. Cause that was my the next question. 
I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, that was my next question was, how did you wrangle the addiction? Because, I mean, that's the that's the thing. That's the monkey that's really on your back mm -hmm. when you're dealing with this. How did you wrangle that? This might um, dishearten you a little bit, but you don't. You never get rid of it. It's always there. Mm. It's always there. Like, uh, But you have to change the paradigm of how you think about it. You have to shift your mindset about your addiction. And... It, it causes you to work with it rather than be burdened by it, to be honest with you. So for me, that came in the form of discovering what my food identity was and discovering uh, I had a, a totally new food identity I had to come up with. So that's when I started doing the actual work. The physical work, the monetary, you know, the money that you put into it, because it's a very expensive surgery as well. The, all of that stuff to me was easy. That, that was just something that I had to do. And to me, it was almost like a series of um, obstacles, like challenges. And I, I, I enjoyed the process. I remember thinking to myself as I was going through this, this isn't going to last for very long. You're, you're not going to be able to eat food in the capacity that you are right now. So enjoy the space that you're in. I remember thinking that at the time because everything was going to change. So all of that stuff for me was fairly simple. The hard part was sitting down and saying, okay, I can't, because for the first month, you can't really eat anything. You're on a liquid diet okay. <laughs> for the most part. And then you slowly start to incorporate foods back into your life. It took me five or six weeks to even think about eating any meat at all. And when it was, it was very soft fish at the time. It was very soft fish. And so I had to discover a brand new food identity. And what is your food identity now? Well, now, uh, because I put in the research at the time, now I tend to gravitate towards plant-based. Okay. You know, veganism, vegetarianism. Now, I'm not advocating that for anybody, but what I'm, what I'm advocating for is for you to look at your own body and your own nutritional needs and um, come up it's everything everybody's different so come up with a custom system for you and it's, it could be fun let yeah. it be fun yeah so that's that's in a nutshell kind of um, how that that ball started so I had to build an entirely new food identity so I'm losing weight I'm losing weight I'm losing weight and all of a sudden it just stops hmm what was that about <laughs> it does it stops a lot of times people have hit these little plateaus and um, and they're normal and they're natural. Your body starts to adjust metabolically to eating less food. Okay. Now, okay. That makes Before, sense. Before, just kind of like an FYI about this surgery. The surgery really only lasts for about, I would say, anywhere between 12 months to about 15 months. And that's it. By that point, your metabolism has adjusted to the fact that you're only eating 1,500 calories a day and your body, you stop losing weight. So after that, you have to have, when I say hit the reset button earlier, this is what I meant by that. You have to have um, put your mind in a place where you're able to hit the reset button and um, so that when the time comes and you stop losing weight, that's when you're, you're able to pick up and you're able to continue the journey that you're on. A lot of times people stop at this point and because they haven't done the work, 
they start to gain all of the weight back. I've seen it happen time and time again where the weight just starts slowly creeping back up, slowly creeping back up. And it's happened to me where you'll notice, but now I have a threshold. When you're 365 pounds, you don't really have a threshold because 20, 30 pounds, still you, you still look the same. But now, but 10, 20 pounds after, you know, when you're, when you're 220 pounds and you're six foot two or three, you, 10 or 20 pounds that you gain is the difference between being able to button up your pants. Yeah. So and that's, yeah. that's the new normal. And that's what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. Get back to me. Now you know what a me, you have a me to get back to. Now you know. So that's yep. what this this surgery has provided you as a tool to have a barometer of where you need to be, I think. That's what it sounds like. Very much so. Yeah, very much so. So I credit it for that. Um, I'm at a point now, three years later, where I, when I look back on it, I'm, I'm happy. I'm very happy that I did what I did. It was, it was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. Um, well, certainly one of the most healthiest decisions I ever made in my life, considering how obese I was. Because I... Where I said earlier, I had always been very lucky when it came to health. I never really had um, any major health problems my whole life. But I can't say that when I'm 40. I know I've at least, I'm 37, 36 now. I'll be 37 in April. But by the time I was 40, if I had stayed on that trajectory, I would probably have diabetes. I would probably um, have high blood pressure. I would be slated for a heart attack by 50, no doubt, the way I was eating, because <clears throat> my food addiction was, it was, it was insidious. That was, that's, that's really the only word. It was insidious. You know, I would, drive throughs were kind of, they were my thing. And I needed to get out of that negative, that, uh, that mindset. That kind now, of don't get me wrong, I still yeah. love a drive through <laughs> but it's more balanced now. It's a little bit more balanced now. I understand. Um, I really do understand that seems like the using this tool and utilizing it. And so for people listening, you can achieve balance through this. I think a lot of people have a very hard nose approach to weight loss, which is like, if I don't do it myself, and I certainly have been one of those people, then it doesn't count and what and, and it, it's null and void. And watching Alan go through this experience has really taught me that we are provided with tools and you utilize them as you should. Now, that may not be the tool for everybody. Like he said, this is up to you to discover, investigate, and trust your angels, which is one of the things he did in his journey was he realized that he had better angels coming to him in the form of coworkers saying, we have a tool for you. And he listened. And so that's why it's so important, guys, for you to stay grounded and spiritually open to your opportunities because you're always around the next corner and your angels are always communicating with you. I don't think I'll ever be able to say it enough on this show. And so Alan listened to his angels and they gave him a tool that helped change his life and the course, as he's mentioned, of other people's lives around him. And I just, we're almost getting close to our time, but I just wanted to ask mm -hmm. you, Alan, is there anything else that we should know about succeeding in weight loss and i know that you don't like to say you know it all because you're still figuring it out but is there any advice that you can give in closing that you've learned in this yeah yeah actually i think that um when you stay regardless of how you choose to lose weight it's different for everybody. If you choose the bariatric route, if you choose to lose it on your own, um, it, 
and even if you're not losing weight, any sort of body work whatsoever, because body work is just energy work. That's all it is. You're just manipulating the energy that goes in and out of your body. Right. I agree. Um, <laughs> it requires a certain degree of self-awareness. And if you're not willing to plan for it, if you're not willing to invest in yourself, then you're you you really just you're you're really planning to fail you will fail mm. so just i mean just keep that in mind and i think people inherently know that but until you, you've been in the thick of it you know it's it's very disheartening back in the day when i would lose 40 pounds and then just gain back 50 and then i lost all of that time and all of that energy and all of that effort when you finally make the decision to change your life realize that it will set off a ripple effect that will affect every single person around you, everybody, from your coworkers to your partners to your kids, everything. And if you're strong enough to stand in your own truth, you will do this and you will be successful. But you have to make the decision. You have to make Nobody's going to make it for you. You have to make the decision, listeners. Stand in your own truth, realize that there will be ripple effects, and make a plan for success and not a plan for failure. Those are the final words of wisdom that Alan leaves us with. I'd also want to know, Alan, if anybody would like to get in contact with you or to see some of your photography or any of the things that you do, how can they get in contact with you? What would be a good way to do that? Uh, the best way, actually, will be, um, it's, uh, would be to email me, really. Okay. Uh, Alan, A-L-A-N dot Norman, N-O-R-M-A-N at Outlook.com. That is the easiest and quickest way to get a hold of me. All right, guys. So if you have questions for Alan, you can find him at Alan, A-L-A-N dot Norman at Outlook.com, correct? Yes. Alan, thank you so much. I mean that sincerely for coming on <laughs> and sharing energy with me, especially about such a personal topic. This is something that is near and dear and, and no pun intended mm -hmm. to our hearts, both of our hearts. And so it is near and dear. And I am so uh, grateful that you chose to be vulnerable today because that is definitely part of how you evolve. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Monette. Guys, wasn't he great? I so enjoyed conversations with him. I've had a million over our lifetime about everything, a myriad of conversations from this subject to, to Madonna, okay, to Madonna. And uh, he is so wise. And if you have questions, he's truly a person that will feel those questions and answer for you anything that you might want to ask. And so please do not hesitate to follow up with our guest today, Alan. And before we go today, guys, I'm so excited to announce one more thing, a new venture that I have been working on. I will be writing a column for the next year in a burgeoning online magazine called Connect 10. And if you're interested in more content and expert information, not just for myself, but from a plethora of very wise experts, then Connect 10 is the place for you. Connect 10 is a new online magazine that is on the pulse of self-development. And this free to you magazine is easy to access uh, in a desktop and Android iPad format. It's very compatible with those. So you can find new content monthly at Connect 10. My column is a food for thought kind of column where I'm just kind of expounding on some spiritual things. And I wrap it up with a delicious new recipe every month. It's easy to follow. 
So come join us. Come on over. Click find look. You can go onto my Facebook at Monette Bernetta, and there are links there to access for your desktop and your iPad and Android. So join us over at Connect 10 and get to know us where our motto is. We're making connections one person at a time. I want to thank you so much for joining me this week on Evolve. Next week, tune in. If you have served our country so proudly, if you know a patriot, a veteran, if you're in America, next week is a show for you. I'm so excited about my guest next week. He's done landmark work that has earned him uh, the ability to have a, a Pulitzer Prize winning article written about him, a bill signed and passed through Congress and signed by Obama. Join us next week as I interview my guest, Mr. Fred Salanti. So excited for the Missing in America project. Thank you for joining us today. Come back and we'll share some energy and evolve together. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.